This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. calls for aid and Brog shall answer it's Amandine welcome back to like the beacons of Lotro podcast focusing on the minister Rithian MMORPG Lord of the Rings online as well as related topics and books movies gaming and the lore of J.R.R. Tirith this is episode number plain old boring nothing special about you been there done that 43 and I'm your host Brag of the Lonely Mountain dreamer and dwarf of the repute, pute, repute. I'm repooting. I'm also broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ here in us Gilead at the Western Gates. Uh, I am on the fields of the Pelennor, standing next to a gentleman named Billy Raybob. <laughs> yeah, there's several people running through, as you would expect on this day of days. Yes, this is the very day that. Uh, Minas Tirith is now in game as a place that we can visit ex- instead of looking from afar over a, a dingy gray wall. This calls for a uh, celebratory beverage. So I am cracking one as we speak. Uh, and I hope you do the same, unless, of course, you're driving. Um, in which case, crack a pop. That's a good slogan. I like that one. So today is the very day of the release of uh, Eastern Gondor, Fields of Pelennor, and Minas Tirith into the game. And let's just take a minute to reflect upon what it's taken to get get here after eight years. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any other way that the game could have progressed. You know, maybe we took a few side paths that uh, people would argue were not necessary, rescuing places like Forakel and Mirkwood and Dunlin that maybe were not as essential to the story. Uh, but all that's water under the bridge. We are here. This edifice is in-game. It looks magnificent. I'm looking forward to exploring it. Uh, as I stream later in the podcast, my exploration, my initial exploration of Minas Tirith, and uh, I'm just excited to get going. And uh, you know, be that as it may, this podcast may be somewhat stunted in terms of length <laughs> because I want to get in and explore uh, unencumbered by the commentary, my own commentary, which bores me to tears, as you can imagine. Um, you know, but here's the benefit of uh, broadcasting on a Tuesday, unlike some podcasts that go over the weekend, is uh, uh, I am able to discuss the release of this, uh, you know, massive uh, milestone in Lotro's history live. I think the announcement that 
that update 17 was going to premiere on Tuesday morning came out I want to say like on Sunday over the weekend on Sunday certainly short notice and certainly much faster than many people anticipated so let's hope the requisite polish is on there and that people aren't disappointed but I think the majority of folks are going to be excited enough about this new premiere uh, not to be too downtrodden upon uh, you know things that still need perhaps uh, a bit more shiny so to speak but uh, be that as it may my dwarven apathy is up oh, someone's getting attacked next to me what is that swarming blight flies I'm not worried about those you'll take care of those won't you sure uh, but let's light our second beacon for goodness sakes There we are. Speaking of beacons, getting awfully close to some new ones, ones that we have some experience with. I can't wait to look up uh, from top of the White Tower out at the actual Amandine. Very exciting. So, uh, before we do that, first we, uh, at Ilunok, we have to uh, discuss CRAP, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Last episode, we offended Jackie Robinson, Braxwolf, Endang, Landreville, our peers, uh, Big Battle Vanguard Line, Diehards, Matt Pat, Mobile Gamers, In League Raiders, and Dome of Stars Designers. And to you all, I issue a solemn and very heartfelt. No, I really mean it. Sorry. Uh, let's move on to viewer comments. Tommy Oric wrote in uh, saying that uh, he is enjoying himself on Landerville. Says uh, if you look for RP, you're going to find it, but it's not in your face. And uh, he's enjoyed his experience there for years, despite not being a, a diehard RPer himself. Himself um, says you'll find many a concert in Bree, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And he's seeing it uh, becoming more active all the time. I would have to say at this point, I am leaning towards Landerville. Um, so looking forward to meeting some of you folks that might be out there when I uh, finally arrive, when they finally get around to transferring Vilya. Should be about another year or two. Um, he's not looking forward to the epic battles. <laughs> epic to him would be charging across the fields of the Pelennor, and I would think if there was ever an opportunity for them to create a mounted combat raid in the game, this was it. Uh, perhaps it's daunting in terms of the amount of combatants that uh, would have to be involved, but I would have to think they could architect it uh, somewhat like they did Wolf's Cleft, having people in the background, but not necessarily, you know, more as animation as opposed to actual NPCs that would have to be tracked that might simplify the lag. And who knows, uh, maybe the new server hardware also would make it possible where it would not have been in the past. So I would say my prediction and or hope going beyond update 17 is that we look for a mounted combat instance in the fields of the Pelennor that would be epic indeed um he also agrees in with me uh last episode i talked about some of the mobile mmo uh developments out there in the industry um he agrees that uh, games like Clash of Clans or Game of War are not even remotely close to an MMO-style experience. I do think they clo they'll, cleaze they'll close the gap over time, but, uh, but it's still pretty far. He says the closest thing he found is a game called Star Wars Uprising, which I've ne actually never tried. They actually have combat uh, mechanics, it appears, gear system, cosmetics, repeatables, dailies, and a crew system. Um, so it sounds like you can jump in, set up a crew, and do a little bit of gaming in a short amount of time. 
Um, you know, but the content gets old fast and becomes repetitive quite quickly. I would expect that would be the case. Um, and interacting with other players in the game without an actual keyboard, very difficult indeed. So not surprising there. Um, you know, lots of people would sit in and chat on uh, on Lotro with their kin, with others in world chat. That's something you don't see as much in a mobile game. It's I don't think it's going to build that same kind of community, at least with the user interface that's available now. Thanks for writing in, Tommy Art. Appreciate your thoughts. Braggenthorn also wrote in to say, um, the epic quests are epic battles. Um, he saw the beta for Minas Tirith and rode around it a bit. Eve says it's big and epic size, which we'll experience shortly. And he hopes people are not disappointed when they get there. Remember, the journey was the point. And I'm appreciating that aspect of the journey as we speak. Um, lastly, in terms of viewer comments, I want to note, very importantly, I got a new iTunes review. Thank you so much from Farquester, who says I have a fun and informative show that is not a new show. Um, apparently, I keep the information fun, relevant, clever, and rolling. The beacon sound should be changed, but the show is a must-listen. Baruch Kazad, Anishi Farquester of Landreville. Thank you so much, Farquester, for the iTunes review. I really appreciate it. Sorry that you don't like my beacon sound. I kind of like it myself, so I don't see changing it anytime soon. If you have a better beacon sound, send it to me, and I promise not to use it. Uh, Grima, research beacon sounds. Get back to me with options. Talk to you next week. Community Spotlight. So, Lotro Academy this uh, past couple weeks came out with their final quest pack review of Angmar. At least the quest packs that were, I think, initially in the game have been all covered. And uh, to my surprise, it was not as much of an Angrymar fest as it was when they went through the reviews. Instead, it was Angmarvelous. Hashtag Angmarvelous. <laughs> Got to tweet that later. Uh, just made that up. I love it. Um... So they had some newer players in the game, you know, folks that have only been playing two, three, four years as opposed to eight, and uh, they share their appreciation of some of the aesthetics of Angmar that I have espoused in the past. One of its many strengths I'm going to go over a little bit later on the podcast in another beacon, so we'll save that for them. Uh, Forums Insider. Hardware upgrades to be completed by Thanksgiving. That will be exciting. Uh, some people in the beta event said they had some uh, some positive impressions coming out of that. So it's good to hear some some positive bubble on that. I haven't been out to the forum, so I don't know how much negative is flying around. Uh, obviously, the current servers are getting full, which is why they suspended transfers for now. And obviously, the other forum update, Lotro update 17, weeks before most expectations. Oh, my. So on this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in the game over the past three weeks. It's been so long since I've spoke with you. We're going to do a top ten list to see where Angmar ranks, or Angmarvelous ranks, in terms of a very specific game dimension. We're going to live stream Bragg's introduction to Minas Tirith. And if there's any time remaining, we will... Who am I kidding? We'll be playing update 17. Sorry. So let's move on to our next beacon. Beacon interrupt us. I must have worn it out using it so frequently previously. 
We are at Nardos. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other games we've been playing lately. Uh, I am in the midst of Portal 2, but I've made no progress since my last discussion. I did duck into DDO briefly uh, to move from level 5 rank 19 to level 5 rank 20. Hooray! What the heck? So, I don't, you know, I don't even know how many ranks are in a level. I thought when I got to rank 20, I'd actually turn to level 6. And I was kind of excited about that. And then it didn't happen. Uh, I had some ability points to spend when I opened up my tree. It's like one of those games where I don't know enough to know I earned an ability point, so I didn't spend them in my tree initially. And I'm not sure if the best strategy is to put them all into the main tree or spread them out across some of the other areas um, that you can explore. Uh, I would imagine building out your main tree would be more lucrative early on, but uh, you know there's a there's a lot going on in those trees in terms of the three different areas that you can start to fill in when certain box skills and boxes become available, what can benefit you at lower characters, and I'm just kind of stumbling my way through it. Have to admit, you know, not a game I play enough to do a lot of research on at this point. So. Um, Anyway, just an occasional lark still. I ducked into the secret world to do one epic quest in the Savage Coast. So apparently I don't have to um, bum around Kingsport uh, much longer before I move on to the Savage Coast. I killed a couple mobs there, so I know I'm capable of it. Not sure if I'm really ready or not, but if I be careful, I think I can explore it a little bit. And uh, maybe I'll delve into there a little bit more. I did notice um, in the last week or two, there was a game that came out from Funcom uh, based on the world of The Secret World. But it was a single-person shooter game based in, a, I think, in a, some kind of carnival or park. Looked intriguing. Um, might look into it. Didn't have a chance to investigate it further to see what it costs and so forth. But I, I believe there was some kind of benefit of being a Secret World player and obtaining it. You might uh, earn some kind of Secret World gear from doing that. So um, I'll read the reviews. If any of you have played it, let me know. Uh, Marvel Heroes. I found a menu for something called Terminals, <laughs> which I didn't know existed, and did one of those to beat the Shocker. Um, so, Terminal, something I'll explore, explore more in Marvel Heroes when I get a chance to play, which probably won't be anytime soon. Clash of Clans, I got an expo. I love you, expo. Of course, I was immediately decimated by the next attack where someone killed me with 32 level 6 balloons and various support staff. So, it just goes to show, no matter how strong you get, there's, there's always a bigger fish. But, expo's pretty. Um... It is expensive to reload in terms of Elixir. Oh well, I guess that's uh, the price you pay to be with the big boys. Um, I did hear Neverwinter went free, so I should really start... No, I'm not going to start playing Neverwinter like I have time for that. Uh, Star Trek Online, I tried to log in until I ran into an 11 gig upgrade. <laughs> and I said, see ya, I didn't want to play it that much. So I'm sure at some point I'll set it off to run overnight or for a week or whatever it'll take. But uh, yeah, I was not that motivated to play that I was going to sit there and wait for an 11 gig upgrade for a game that I duck into once every one or two weeks. <laughs> anyway... Inside of Lotro, update 17 beta, I've heard very positive feedback about the continuing polish being put on Minas Tirith over time to liven it up and give it a bit more grandeur, and obviously the devs thought it was, uh, was ready enough. And this comment is now out of date, so let's move on. Um, in Lotro, Bragg is level 100. 
and uh, as he has been for quite some time, obviously. And he uh, did two T3 skirms over the last couple weeks. No crystals, unfortunately. He did Thievery and Mischief and Storm on Crystal Meth Mountain. Uh, you know, Crystal Meth Mountain, it's really hard as a solo, if you're soloing, to keep the drummers alive at the end as a guard at least. So if I turn the dragon around so that he's facing away from the... Um, Facing away from the dragonettes, then uh, the dragonettes kill the drummers. And if I run over to kill the dragonettes, then the fire from the dragon kills the drummers. So I would see it. I would think it would be much easier if you were a ranged class. So you're fighting the dragon and have him turned away, and you can range the dragonettes down. But don't have the ability to do that as a guard. So I have done it before, where I've saved everybody and gotten the extra chest. But I forget how I did it. Maybe I was just lucky. Um, this past time I failed, I only got the single chest out of the instance. If you're a guard and have a tip for me on a better way to do that, give me a shout. Um, because if you try to aggro the dragonettes to you, they just range you with their flame so they don't really move and you still have to get in the melee range, unfortunately. Uh, haven't I am several weeks behind on Bingo Boffin. No idea what that guy is up to. Last I left him, I think he was sitting in the Forsaken Inn getting drunk, uh, much like I was two episodes ago. And, of course, the big news is that the Fall Festival is out. No, it's not the big news. But I did go to the Fall Festival and grind a few tokens, enough to buy my horse, along with turning in some some in-league uh, or ale association badges of dishonor. And one of the quests that I did at the Fall Festival is to run into the Haunted Burrow and do the in-league quest, because it's the easiest one to turn around uh, for quick coins. You run in, you grab the wine, you run back out, you're done. Unfortunately, you know, it's been a year or two since I thought about this. When I did the in-league quest, I got negative reputation on the Ale Association, which took me out of Kindred. <laughs> so I had forgotten about that little aspect of it. Duh. Talking about dumb things you did in Lotro. So I had to run into Bree and do the Ale Association um, tour of Bree in order to, which is the only quest where you can earn positive reputation without earning negative reputation for the the in league. So I am back to Kindred again uh, with the uh, with the in league. But uh, once you get to Kindred to both, it's a pain in the butt to do the uh, any of the other quests unless you're willing to work on both sides and then cap it off again. Um, let me see what else. My Bjorning is level 82 or 83. Uh, just finished Wildemore, did the part of the epic story called The Bloom, where Horn and Nona hold hands and watch the Hunorns watching by to tackle Nerzum. Uh, that's always heartwarming. I've got, uh, I think the, the invite to Hitbolt doesn't come until you are level 84, so I think I've got two levels until I get that invite. And I've got to decide what to do for those two levels. I could uh, finish more quests in the Eastern Rohan, just to remind myself of some of the content. I could do some skirms, or I could start on Western Rohan in order to make progress against class trade points. And as much as I've done that with all my other tunes, that might be the way that I go. Um, we'll see. But I do intend to return to Hipbolt and build that baby again. 
my minstrel did two epic battles, um, duoed with an RK. And uh, funny how more much more effective you are doing duoing with an RK at uh, rank five rather than soloing by yourself at rank one when I did them the first time on this tune through the epic storyline. So we platinumed everything in Hornburg and Helmstike and uh, got me up to I think about 134 points, which is enough to get me to tier six. And that's, I believe, my second tune to reach rank six uh, with Epic Battles. Um, most of the others hovering somewhere in between three and five. My Cappy run, my Cappy did some training runs in Dol Amroth for armor and tokens. Um, one thing I did experiment with was I traded Redline in Cappy, which I'd never done before. Um, I actually bought the third trait, uh, trait line. Um, configuration from the store uh, with some extra turbine points. Uh, I've only got a couple tunes where I have all three trait lines available. And the reason I decided to do it for the Cappy was twofold. First of all, I wanted to see if uh, doing daily grinds would be faster in the red line, which it normally is for most classes. And secondly, the Cappy is frequently called upon in red line for certain instances where you have DPS races because it's the only one that you have your Oathbreaker skill available, which is uh, you know plus 35% incoming damage for you know space of I think it's either 15 or 20 seconds, which can make a big difference. Um, so the most common one right now that's being called for is when you do a Pelinair six-man run, some of the, um, the elites that pop up with the green glowy heads uh, are a DPS race, and you will get graded for your for your medal, uh, you know, bronze, bronze, silver, gold, or platinum, depending on how quickly you're able to DPS those guys down. So frequently people are looking for redline cappies in order to do oath breakers on those guys. So I wanted to have it for that in case it was needed uh, to get um, cappy more, you know, called for in some of those instances. And I also want to see how they did in the DPS race. So there's enough to talk about in redlining your cappy that I'm thinking about doing a future uh, beacon segment on it specifically. But I'll give the general impression right now that DPS didn't seem that much faster, to me at least. And uh, I certainly did feel squishier. <laughs> until I got used to that level of squishiness, I died a few times in my training run until I got a better feel for it. But uh, more on that at a later date when I have a little more time to discuss. Um, also, Cappy did some Angmar roaming threats. Got a bunch of brands. Um, my Cappy already has a level 100 first age weapon that is imbued. So, uh, you know, the, the most common thing people get the brands for to get those level 100 first age weapons. Uh, there's a pocket item which is uh, mar maybe marginally better than some of the stuff you can get from uh, big battles or. Uh, or uh, trading in Dol Amroth, so I've been mulling over picking that up. Uh, but the other thing I want to take a look at is, you know, the glory days. In the glory days, captains always had two weapons. You had your regular, um, your regular legendary item, and you had your buff stick. And um, obviously, with the retraining, buff sticks aren't required. But I want to take a look at the legacies for the captain and determine if I might want to have. One buff stick for DPS and soloing, and one buff stick for when I'm in hands of healing. Um, or one legendary item for when I'm in hands of healing. And if I think there's an advantage there, then I might go ahead and obtain a second level 100 weapon for my Cappy. And look at uh, legacies that might help me when I'm specifically focusing on hands of healing stance. 
Um, anyone's got experience with that, let me know what you recommend. So my lore master is stuck doing nothing, but my burg is where the majority of my activity has been. So as you guys know from last episode, I've been on a, I was on a burg splurge for a while, uh, working on deeding for, um, for my virtues to grind that up. It was one of the longer grinds I've had because uh, as he reached level 100, as I've said before, he was the least prepared in terms of virtues of almost any tune I've done. Um, you know, I think as you do more and more alts, you skip more and more content on the way. They, they accelerate that comment, con content as it is, unless you want to not use, you know, all the accelerators that you get from expansions and from rest XP and from everything else. So, um, so anyway, that's been a long grind. Uh, my Berg did a few epic battles, did a Deeping Wall raid, uh, and, a, and uh, retaking Pelliger, and got enough Stars of Merit to buy another piece of jewelry. Um, you know, I didn't find the set bonuses for the Burglar on the, uh, on the jewelry coming from epic battles to be that exciting, actually. So I might spend them on a different tune. We'll see. I uh, did a few Glingant runs uh, for funsies. Didn't get any crystals out of that. Um, I heard a rumor that Scrolls of Empowerment and Crystals are easier to get in the new release. Um, are they available at Skirm Camps? I guess I will find out shortly. Not positive on that one yet, but it would be would be quite nice if uh, Dol Amroth was not the easiest place to get those anymore so that you could do some work some new content for it. And, of course, I did more deeding. So I needed my last few ticks of charity and tolerance, and those were a bit of a pain to uh, to earn. Uh, so I earned one through slaying Ancient Evil in Eastern Rohan, or what I call the Return to Bergen style. Um, the, uh, the Swamp instance, where I could... Uh, I could uh, basically stalk those, ooh, Bile Drog, I think they're called, and they killed me a whole bunch of those. Uh, then went in and did Globsnaga in the 16th Hall, which is uh, one of the ways to get charity, I think it was. And nice being a Berg, because even though I'm overleveled, you'd have to fight everything to get to the Globsnaga. They don't appear till the second third of the instance. But as a Berg, I was able to sneak past all the initial orcs, and that helped a bunch. So I deeded Globsnaga out of the 16th Hall and got that one done. Uh, finally, Beast Slayer in the Great River. And I went down to the Fetid Dens, just southeast of Stangard, and hunted me some Bargazi. I did Angmar and Barrett Gularan. That's a pain. You get 12 or so per run, so maybe 25 with an accelerator, which means eight, <laughs> eight runs of Barrett Gularan at least. Um, and to tell you the truth, I'm forgetting some of them. They, they are all starting to run together now. How many nameless, faceless enemies have I killed in the name of virtues? What about mercy, for gosh sake? Do you earn mercy by slaying people? Nope. No one uses it because that's the stats on that suck. So, um, but uh, finally, I am at 19s across the board on my burglar and uh, feeling a bit hardier. Um, the last one I had to do was deeding an Eastern Gondor to get the last tick I needed. Uh, determined that that was the most productive way. Maybe it was not the fastest way, but the most productive because I figured I'd get some good rewards out of it as I was doing it. Um, but I found that I was at 30 out of 35 quests uh, after I completed all the content, even with the repeatable siege engines and bounty quests, and I did all the bounty quests. Um, so the daily quests in Osgiliath don't count towards the 35 quests you need in Eastern Gondor to get the quest deed finished. So I was stuck at 30 out of 35. And... Um, 
I was couldn't figure out what I was missing. So I did go down to um, the Barad Nimorn area because I remembered questing there with my main brag and uh, couldn't get the quest to auto bust over there. I couldn't figure out why. So I once again went to the forums and uh, found entries on this because many people missed this apparently. You know, I found typically if I'm having an issue, <laughs> it's it's, you know, Nine times out of ten, it's an issue that 100 people have run into, and there's an article on the forums for. So it's a it's a nice resource for that. So basically, there's a quest that uh, when you're in Tumthorn, called the Secret of Tumthorn, uh, that tells you to go look out over, you know, next to uh, a cairn of rocks, out towards Osgiliath, and um, when you go there and you do the emote, you look, it advances the quest. What you might not notice out of hand is that the cairn in front of you is actually flashing, and you have to click on that cairn to activate the auto-bestowed quests in Baird Nemorn. And I did that with my main, but I missed it on, I think I've missed it on a few alts. Because if you run over there and do the emote and then just go over to the next cairn to look to the northwest to see Faramir, then you don't notice that the cairn is flashing. And if you don't click on the flashing cairn, you don't get to go to Baird Nemorn. So Baird Nemorn is a cool area. It's a... Uh, uh, you know, it's a challenging area. It tells you that up front. It's very heavily packed with mobs. Lots of pathers, uh, walking um, wards back at, back and forth in, par in packs. Um, there's elites there, and uh, it's tightly packed. So uh, fun for a burg. I did a lot of sneaking around in there. Actually, was able to do all the quests in the instance without getting killed as a solo burg, which was uh, challenging but fun. And got my 35 out of 35 quests in Eastern Gondor and got my final deed done. So the interesting part is as I was finishing off my deed, you know, some of these quests, some of the last uh, available options to finish off Tolerance in particular just sucked. Um, it's funny how some, see, some deeds have so many options. You have like 26 or 27 choices. You know, you, you get your... You get your virtue up to 26, even though only 19 of them count. And others you can barely get to 19 with. Um, you know, they had options like, you know, uh, you know, finish 35 quests in the Shire or something like that. Or um, I think one of them was find all the locations in Cardoon. So I could find a group and do that, but soloing it all by myself would have taken hours. Uh, yeah, it was faster just to do a Slayer deed. Uh, more fun to do Cardoon, but I just didn't have the time. Uh, so anyway, uh, all those are now finished, and my final class trait, class trait deed for the Berg is finished as well. Um, and that was for... Um, for mobs to resist my riddle and or trick removal skills 75 times. And I've been stuck on 58 out of 75 for a long, long time. And what I found is, you know, the trait line you're in affects the number of opportunities that you have to advance that. And you have to be hitting on-level mobs. And um, if you have your resistance and uh, finesse skills up high enough, um, the resist rate for the mobs you face is extremely low, extremely low. Uh, so I was basically never triggering it. <laughs> so I went to the forums again for advice, and they had some good advice once again. Take off all your finesse gear, <laughs> take off all your, uh, and go into a town uh, that has level 105 training dummies, dummies uh, which I found in Dol Amroth, 
and beat up the training dummies with those skills. And if you take your resistance gear off and you beat up the training dummies, you will pound those out in, in short order. So within a half hour of sitting there clicking on the training dummy every time the skill was up, I finished that class train point deed for my Berg, which is the last one I have for my uh, tunes at level 100. And that gives me 73 class trait points on the Berg. Uh, only the two that are outstanding for big battles um, are available. So out of all that, I get 1% uh, more critical on melee damage. <laughs> However, if I get my big battle points, both of them, I could get aim in gambler stance or something else. So that could be worth doing. So we'll see about big battles on the Berg. Having the two new ones available in Gondor certainly could help. Um, so now my Berg is on to Central Gondor for Vanguard of Central Gondor de-grinding, but that's going to have to wait for a while, obviously, based on the new content. Uh, all my other alts, Hunter, RK, Warden, Champ, have done nothing except for port to the Fall Festival and take turns opening up the badly hidden chest whenever I have the opportunity. And with that, it's quite enough time that I've spent on what I've been doing in-game. Let's move on to our next beacon. Aralas. In Aralas this week, we have yet another in our long-standing tradition of top 10 lists on Lotro. And today's top 10 list is the top 10 instance clusters in the game. And as I was reflecting on uh, the Lotro Academy discussion of Angmar and the greatness of some of the instances there, uh, the idea was spawned to create a top 10 list of the top 10 instance clusters in the game. Instant, instance clusters could be defined a couple different ways. So for simplicity purposes, I've used the definition that's in the instance finder as far as how they're grouped. So without further ado, here's my list of the top 10 instance clusters in the game. And coming in at number 10, the Great Barrows. Played to death, but still a classic setting. Even though many folks have done these hundreds of times, um, they are still classic. They're the first instance cluster that many are exposed to in the game, and I can still remember the first time I went through some of the creepy crawly settings in there. Uh, the boss battles are just challenging enough to be fun, but not to deter too many, um, you know, non-hardcore players. And uh, and they are played to death, but well done. Great Barrows coming in at number 10. Number 9 on my list is Gilliath, a surprise entry. And I thought long and hard about this one. I, not really. About you know, 10, 11 seconds, maybe no, 3 seconds. Actually, I, I didn't even think about it. But as Gilliath, uh, you know, maybe gets a benefit of the doubt as they're kind of shiny and new. Um, but they do have a different vibe and feel. The settings are admirable. There's some fun fights in there. I have a little bit of issues with each of the instances here and there. But overall, I feel like they're solid. Uh, number eight, Heligrod. The uh, three initial wings of Heligrod are a bit bland and can be grindy. But the whole setting is very grandiose and compelling. Um, you know, the frozen the frozen fortress at the tip of the map. And, um, you know, each of the uh, three feeder instances have solid boss fights at the end, which I think have good mechanics and are fun and are challenging, even though the rest of the instances really, for the most part, are not. Plus, trump card, you get a zombie dragon. Enough said. Number seven, coming in at number seven, uh, 
the Halls of Night in the Forsaken and School Library. So no one of these instances taken alone you could say are classic, but uh, you know, are all-time classics. But the school and library, as simple as they are, fill a great niche for quick, easy three-man grouping. And Halls of Night and Into the Forsaken get marks for their uniqueness in my book. Um, the rewards have never been great, but I think they would be played more if they were. Um, solid entries. Number six, Lothlorien. Uh, the waterworks and the mirror halls of Luminar are not necessarily loved due to their length and complexity, but you can't say that they're not well-crafted, that they don't have interesting twists, and that they don't have fun settings. Um, and the halls of crafting and Darn Good are just classics. Halls of crafting, one of my all-time favorite, flowing, easy, fun, you know, just enough challenge to keep your interest, pug, uh, hall of uh, instances. And Darn Abigod is a raid that kept many Lotro players, uh, you know, entranced for, for many weeks, conquering its different, uh, uh, its different settings and its super creepiness. Number five, Dol Guldur. Mostly due to the variety of instances available, you have the Sword Halls, which is unique and playable and serves, uh, you know, maybe not uh, the most, uh, you know, <laughs> the most intricate setting in the world, but certainly serves a purpose and is well done for what it is. Uh, the Dungeons and the Wolf Pens, you know, maybe not the most classic dungeon settings, but as different as can be. And I do consider Samoth Gull a classic six-man with just the right length and challenge. And uh, Dull Gilder is, I think, a well-loved raid, challenging with a be beautifully detailed setting that it shares with Samoth Gall. I I'm giving this uh, ranking mostly on the back of Samoth Gall, but also the raid itself and the supplement of the other dungeons that filled out a nice cluster. Number four, the Isengard cluster. Basically, on sheer content, you've got three three-mans, all very different. A very solid six-man in the foundry that I found uh, fun and challenging with uh, one of the more engaging boss fights uh, that I've had in a while at the end of it. Uh, and, of course, you've got the five wings of Isengard, each with uh, different challenges and bosses and settings within Orthanc, which was beautiful, beautifully rendered. And on top of that, you get a dragon raid. And I know that a lot of people have, you know, complained that the dragon raid, once the, once the newness wore off, it became repetitive and, uh, and certainly, you know, had complaints about being buggy. But it's still a dragon raid, and I've had a lot of good time running Dragog with various tunes over the time, over the years. And it, at the time, it was very rewarding in terms of the um, the loot that you could get coming out of it. It was worth doing. Number three, the In Their Absence Cluster. In my opinion, some of the best three-mans in the game. Uh, and on top of that, Sariyama and Lost Temple were never my favorite six-mans due to the, the difficulty of their challenge modes. But uh, but very artfully crafted settings. And Os Dunhoff is a beautiful raid with varied challenge and depth um, that I think lived up to, uh, you know, long reputation of, of uh, solid raids uh, in, in the game. Coming in at number two, Moria. 
almost my vote for the top spot. These instances will always hold a special spot in my heart. Um, the first time I got to level cap and started joining in on uh, some of those instances, they're beautifully woven into the story of Moria and the space of Moria and have an overarching storyline and purpose. Top of that, you can add the Forgotten Treasury and Philokul. Um, Philokul you know, certainly has got its share of usage over the years. It was extremely challenging when it first came out. You know, now it's kind of a joke, but people still run it because it's easy, fast, and fun. <clears throat> Perhaps the only complaint that you can make uh, about the Moria cluster is a lack of three-man content. Uh, but, you know, they helped fill that in with Lothlorien a little bit later. And certainly the Vile Maw is a cherry on top. Uh, not a long, uh, painful raid to get to the end boss, but an engaging multi-boss end fight that was very satisfying. Um, you know, I'll never forget the first time I took down the Watcher and won the Black Pearl from the chest. Actually, that only happened a couple months ago, but, but I'll always remember the first time I took down the Watcher, okay? Um, and what is the instance cluster that uh, Moria lost to by a whisker? None other than Angmar. And I almost hold these instances on a pedal. Barad Gularan, I actually like the outside of Barad Gularan better than I like the inside. But it's it's solid, fun, you know, and, and fair. Uh, the first time I was in Urgarth, I said to myself, this is a masterpiece. I got lost in it. I kept looking up at the sky and, and all the different uh, down from the bridges to look at the places that were waiting for us below, wondering what was down there. It's, you know, one of the first uh, spaces I went to in Lotro that was truly epic as an instance. And uh, I was like, you know, this is a masterpiece. And then it got blown away by Karn Doom. I was like, well, nothing can top the design of this place. So intricate, so long, so involving, so engaging, so challenging. And then it was blown away by the mystical journey that is the Rift. Uh, if you haven't been on the Rift, just go. You'll know what I'm talking about. We shall not see their like again. That's my top ten list for instance clusters in Lotro. Let me know what you think. Min Rimon. Now the original word from our sponsors segment. This episode of Let LTB is brought to you by Osgiliath Scrubbing Bubble Slugs. When your culverts are backed up with troll abomination slime, let the scrubbing bubble slugs handle the dirty jobs. Scrubbing bubble slugs kill 99% of harmful orc carcass and feces bacteria, and they work hard so you don't have to. Moving on to the sixth beacon of Kalanhad, the unscripted portion of our adventure. Here I stand on the fields of the Pelennor, and as I look back, I can see the causeway forts behind me. Interesting new area of the game. So before this update was released, um, you could not see over the side of the wall uh, these additional fortresses, which were apparently overrun pretty quickly. Looking up into the sky, I can see massive siege engines on both sides, and if I was a defender of the Wall of Gondor, I'd be pretty freaked out looking at it. I can see, looking along the wall guarding the Pelennor, the name of which escapes me right now, um, is uh, you know punctured in multiple places, so obviously the armies of, of Mordor have broken through in several areas. 
I am just now mining my very first piece of a Norian Skarn. Done. <laughs> and uh, so I can see the new resource nodes dotting the landscape. Um, something called, the, I see poplar wood and lavish lock boxes for scholars, I assume. And as I turn back towards Minas Tirith, graphics are holding. I did, uh, here's a fallen Gondorian soldier, poor little guy. Probably kept up with the, the car for the last couple of miles. Brave little guy. I see Sulahar riders and Mordor wargs patrolling, as well as, as, well as Mordor Morgul warg riders on all sides. But for some strange reason, they appear to have left the roads open and available <laughs> so that you can still run back to the White City. So the White City is looming over me. And the first thing I notice is that, yes, the walls look very large on the outside. But the prow of the ship sticking forth from the mountain is massive, uh, larger than I envisioned, and sitting on top of a giant rock pile. It looks like the, um, you know, the city itself is almost clustered around the rock piles, a little smaller than I envisioned. Uh, okay, so I'm avoiding some mobs here as I stroll down the road to the front gates. Looking to my right. Um, the outer gates are dark. So this looks like a, a somewhat different texture than I've seen elsewhere. Kind of reminds me of like Ost-Dunhoth type uh, ancientness scrubbed across, uh, you know, Pelargir or Dol Amroth architecture. So I've heard some people complain that there's a lot of reuse uh, inside. Uh, here at the front gate of the Pelin you know, the front gate of Minas Tirith, I'd have to say that, uh, you know, this style architecture looks new to me, so this outer wall at least looks somewhat unique. The doors of Minas Tirith are fairly massive, although, as we know, not quite large enough to repel Grand, who is lying in wait for us. And I am entering the courtyard directly in front of me. It almost looks like um, the Argonath sitting on either side of uh, a central door and rising above them there's a figure holding a staff and palantir looking straight up into the sky i'm sure that's one of the great kings of minas tirith um i believe that they said that it was built by the brother of Isildur. um his name was anarian so i'm wondering if that's a statue or arian anarian I think it's an Aryan. So I wonder if that statue is perhaps of him. As I look to the right, I see uh, statues I haven't seen before of uh, Gondorian soldiers guarding egress to the right. And uh, by my memory of the movies, there should be like some women here distributing flowers. I don't know. Don't see any right now. Courtyard is definitely a buzz. I see lots of players. Um, as I look at my kin online, uh, I'm the only one on. <laughs> so that's a little sad and may be a precursor for me looking for a new kin on Landerville. <laughs> Sorry to say. Uh, the Swan Knight up here has a quest for me. Can I check with him? Yes. Oh, how does he know that we're here and we're coming? He's got some good insider knowledge. 
tells me to look at the fire. I'm not going to bother. If I start picking up quests, this is going to take forever. So let's ride to the top. <laughs> um, at least in the movie, I have to go left. Let me look at my map. <laughs> Where do you go up? I don't want to go all the way to the left and find out. I have to go all the way back to the right. Oh, wait. I see stairwells, and they're not all the way in the ends. That's good. They're marked in gold on the map, so that helps. Hey, I'm going the right way. Ooh, hold on. There's a new steed. Let's check out his cosmetics pretty quick. Uh, he's got a beige wrap on with a fist on his bottom. That's always nice. No comment there. <laughs> okay, there's some quests. There's uh, the old guest house on my left I'm passing. The uh, rows of houses are, you know, pretty thin. I would, I always said I th would have thought the lower tiers, the streets would have been wider. But there's certainly a lot of detail packed in here. Oh, first time I got snagged on a cart. Looks like there's stairways up to the wall, the outer wall, and I'm coming up on a stairwell, which should me lead me up to the second tier. Appear to be plenty of vendors. Yes, I make a right, and I have found my first ramp. So I'm ascending up the Coswell stairs. And when I get to the top here, I'll take a quick glance to my right. So I'm about the level of the outer wall. So the view here has not improved significantly, of course, aside from the red-hued lightning coming from Mordor over the tops of the wall. So I guess the people that live in the bottom don't get very good views. I would think the real estate would be a little cheaper. Someone mentioned that the Pelennor field should have been dotted with more settlements. Holy cow, look at the size of that cask. Okay, at least we got ale to spare. And they put it up against the outer wall, so it's less likely to be hit by catapults. That is the biggest cask. Oh, Swift Horse to the first circle. Uh, I'm already on the second circle. So, so there is a Swift Horse system in the game to move between the tiers. And there were many people that were fearing that that would not be the case. I'm passing an auction house on my left. Good. Under gates and porticoloses? Jesus, I look up, you can... There's so many gates overhead. Occasionally the sky is obscured. And... I found the training area, apparently. I think I have to turn left here if I want to... Head back up. Yes, I found my next ramp. Which should take me to the third tier. And as I'm going up the ramp, I can see the prow of... Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Sticking out in front. I can see the prow of Minas Tirith sticking out. It doesn't look that far overhead at this point. I guess I'm almost halfway up. Oh my gosh, so many structures. This must have been a different kind of landscape challenge for them, that's for sure. So, which way do I go now? Uh, oops, wrong way. Got to turn back the other way. We're heading west again. I didn't think I could go west. It looked like it was interrupted by the prow, but I guess if it holds true to the architecture, there'd be tunnels that would go through it. Yes, there are. Okay. 
So now going under the gut rock for the first time. Ooh, I feel like I'm in the uh, swift horse to the first circle, so they'll help you down. Apparently not up yet. Should help on the way back down at least, I would think. All right, so I'm going to take a pause. Ooh, ee, uh, leg. First leg. Not bad, though, overall, given how many people must be on and flooding this place right now. There's lots of NPCs. I like that. Okay, so... Whoa! I wonder if you can fall down off this tier. I bet you can, and that would be a waste of time, so I'm not going to get too close. So I'm now just to the right of the prow, looking out over the fields of the Pelinar, and I can see I can see fires in the distance next to the wall. And looks like I can ride along the wall if I'd like to, which is neat. Uh, just passed a forge and a relic master. Handy that. And I see a ramp looming, looming on my right. Ooh, what's that? That's a pretty sign I passed. And it's written in... Is that Elvish? Looks like Tipoomien. And there's a flower. Must be some kind of... Oh, I found a tavern. Oh, it's an outdoor tavern. Cool. Oh, they should have like a little bar up top of the wall facing out. So you could like watch the battle while you're having beers. That would be awesome. Maybe in the next update. Okay, here we go. I think I'm um, heading up the ramp to the fourth tier now. I wonder how much people would pay for those seats. Be like, you know, reserving the best seat at the uh, ESPN zone for the big screens. Okay, now I'm penetrating in. Passing tunes right and left. Even Vilia's a buzz. And it looks like I have to go right under the gut rock again. Well, it's certainly nice that it follows a predictable pattern. As long as you know what level you're on. Should be in good shape. Now, this is appearing somewhat more gentrified at this point. Uh-oh, hit a dead end. No, hit a fountain. No, hit a dead end. No, hit a fountain. Yeah, there's a little more gardens. I think there's a finer cut of cloth. Um, the rings are starting to get a little windy, like not necessarily just a straight shot around. You've got to go in and out a little bit through the structures to find your way. Why am I talking about this so much? Everyone's going to have found this by the time they get on <laughs> listen to my show. I can't help it. It's cool. And I really didn't have the... Uh, it would have taken more time to create another segment. <laughs> time that I could have been playing, so... <laughs> couldn't afford that. Oh, here's a ramp. Okay. So I am heading up. This one doubles back to the fifth tier, I believe. And I have found a guard of the Gate of Stars. What's up? None shall pass. None shall pass. You are indeed brave tonight, but I must cross this bridge. Then you shall die. My favorite part of that entire skit from uh, Holy Grail, of course, is that I had to point this out to my kids, which they found hilarious. If you look to the left and the right in the bridge, it's basically basically guarding maybe a three-foot gully. 
I mean, if he walked 10 feet to the left or to the right, he could have walked up the side with absolutely no difference whatsoever. And then, to me, that's that's the lunacy that is the genius. Oh, I just got a deed for the Minister of Fellow Halls. I've discovered the artists, builders, bergsmen, clothiers, fellows, host, hostelers, smiths, black house, fair hall, right? Ugh. Okay, well, at least you get idealism out of it just for finding the halls. I would guess they're all on this level, so that wouldn't be that bad. And it departs the title, The Many Talented. Uh, kind of reminds me of when we had to find all the buildings in Stangard. Uh, although that one didn't give a deed and reputation, I think it just gave a title. This one has a virtue. Another guard of the Gate of Stones. Garther, let me pass. I own this place. Don't you know what a hero I am? Okay, so where is the last stairwell up? Am I on the top level? No, I'm on the master's tier. Oh, it looks like a straight one. If I go to the right, it's going to go right up the center so it doesn't ramp up as much. Uh, I like the flower boxes. Oh, a new deed for the Wardens of Minas Tirith. I wonder if each level has its own deed and I just didn't go far enough on some of them to trigger it. So I have to find the Warden of the Bird, the Warden of the Wells, the Warden of the Green, Warden of the Houses of Healing, and the Warden of the House of Lore. Oh, look, I could have gotten Tolerance from doing this. So much easier than Explore Deed. Ah, uh, that's a shame. If only I'd known. Uh, so I think this is the way. I'm at the Guard of the Citadel, passing under the gate. And no one's told me I don't have enough rep to go up here, which is good. If I hit like a Lothlorien, you must go slay a hundred orcs in Moria. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> go kill a hundred orcs in Moria and come back and see us again. <laughs> no! Also, so this one doubles back to the right and to the left. This is kind of inefficient, but can't they put an elevator in, maybe? All right. Linharn is the guard of the Citadel Gate, and I am entering the last gate, and I am in the presence of the White Tree. And it's looking rather gray, <laughs> I have to say. Isn't there supposed to be like uh, one leaf on it, about to fall off, or is it supposed to have no leaves? That was just in the movie, I guess. So it looks like no leaves. Got to get something blossoming in here. It's a different graphic from any tree I've seen. That's cool. There's a fountain in the center, which is pretty. Uh, the Tower of Echthelion rises above me. One of my tunes is um, uh, Runaway from the Tower of Echthelion, so that will be uh, quite an experience for him to return to his land of a shaming. Actually, on his cosmetic outfit, I gave him a helm that disguises his face so that he wouldn't be recognized by his brethren here. And he's going to come back and redeem himself. All right, now I am running out onto the platform towards the front of the prow sticking forth from Minas Tirith. And there's a large cupola above my head, which is ornately decorated. I have come to a screeching halt on my tune so that I don't get too close. First, I just want to take in the view. So if you look towards Osgiliath, you see wooded hills, but you can't see the walls of Moria over the tops of them.
Which is not surprising. I don't think they've built out anything past Minas Morgul, but it would have been cool to be able to see just a tower of Minas Morgul sticking up above there. Um, the causeway forts are a wreck. Geez, all the way around, they're blackened in every direction. I can see there are going to be some farm fields and structures probably to be rescued to the east of Minas Tirith, back towards the way we came from eastern Gondor. And I see the path leading north um, that will probably go through the gates and up towards the new map area, which would be the north gate to Talith and Nor. Uh, from there, we will see Krithost. And ooh, on the top left of that map, you can see uh, something called To the Beacon Marches. I see a structure that might be a beacon northwest of Krithost. Me wonders if perhaps that could be Amandine. Could it be? I would think it might have to be. And of course the view looking back, which I don't want to neglect. It's a pretty sight looking at the top of the Tower of Echthelion sticking up with slightly off-center from the mountain behind it. Um, and you know what? I don't even know the name of the mountain that Minas Tirith is built into. Hopefully, my hope for Minas Tirith is that there aren't a ton of fetch quests, uh, but that the quests that are within do a healthy dose of the lore of this place and its history um, for my viewing pleasure. And I can see at the end of the platform here, they have a tiny little band shell. Oh, there's there's a little bench you can sit on with with no gate where you can look down. And I've been here at least five minutes talking about the view, and I haven't seen a single player run off and plummet to his death just yet. People told me in the beta it was possible. So here is the moment of truth. I'm going to back up and get a good running start and after all my travels all my struggles all my quests it ends here in despair off the tower of Minas Tirith and I land uh, uh, just inside the inner gate <laughs> and I am dead and there are people <laughs> there's a guy resing me <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> okay. There is faith in the community of Locho. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. RK. I plunged to my death, and uh, apparently, just like Gandalf, my tasks and struggles were not yet finished. I was sent back to turn against the tide in the moment of need. So let me thank Mr. Wolfhead RK here. with an appropriate emote. <laughs> and that concludes. There is much more to be discovered. And in the next episode, I hope to have my impressions of Minas Tirith, the new content. We'll see how far Bragg will have penetrated by then. Uh, but for now, this was a, uh, a good intro, I think, a good lengthy introduction to the content that's available there. And I did my Flaming Marshmallow run. I feel like uh, you know I'm no longer a virgin of Minas Tirith. So that brings us to.
Galifirian. In closing, it's time for Blessed Relief, and maybe to play a little more. Uh, brings us to the end of the 43rd episode of Light the Beacons. Um, Grima, make sure all that was streaming, like I told you. I want the viewers to be able to see it live. So, um, for those of you out there viewing the podcast, uh, I hope you enjoyed the stream. I hope the graphics were amazing and that you uh, got a good view into the new uh, the new content through my live stream that uh, Grima set up for me. Well done, Grima. Um, I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at braggsonofballon at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for, I'm jumping off the White Tower. On Facebook or Twitter at braggsonofballon or my webcast site at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request you take the time to create an iTunes, iTunes review if you're so inclined, such as Farquester did. Thank you very much again, Farquester. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary Dwarven Apathy or pull myself away from Update 17, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, son of balance, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time you're the steward of Gondor, stewing alone in your cold marble halls, contemplating philicide, don't despair. Light the beacons. And enjoy Update 17. See you soon, folks. <laughs>